0: welcome to Glow From Within podcast. I'm your host, Harmony Patton, a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner, as well as a holistic intuitive healer. I'm a mom of two, a wife to one, and I work with a spiritually inclined, growth-minded, soulful-ass woman who's looking to heal from within and unlock her deepest potential by doing so. If you're looking to make your health hormones and gut your superpower you've come to the right place this is glow from within podcast Hey guys, so if you missed last week, I announced that I'm doing a couple of archive episodes. So these are episodes that I recorded back in late 2018, early 2019 for the podcast, but I never posted for you guys. So today's episode is an amazing interview that I did with Zesty Ginger. It is so good. You are absolutely going to love it. This was recorded back in 2018. So enjoy. Welcome to 2018. Okay, welcome ladies. I have Megan and Alex of Zesty Ginger here and we're just going to go ahead and dive on in. I would love if we could hear your stories. Maybe each of you could just tell us who you are, a little bit about what led you to where you are right now and uh, let's start with Alex.
1: All right. Hi there. Thank you for having us. I am almost done and will be going on to be a pain doctor. Um, i have to do a fellowship for a year. So that's where I am now. What led me to that was, um, you know, short story of my life as a healthy kid, totally fine, went to college um, to be a piano performance major um, and started having chronic pain. And that really kicked off the next, you know, 12 years of my life where, um, that that experience of pain and what ended up being endometriosis and ultimately infertility, um, has all taken me from doing that to going to medical school and residency. And, um, along the way, obviously I, I myself struggled with conventional medicine. So it's a little bit funny that I ended up being a doctor, but, um, the, you know, with my own struggles, it really took me into the, um, this unconventional world of all of everything from like acupuncture to um, eating paleo to doing a lot of mindset work. And all of that kicked off, you know, a, a passion for trying to teach women a little bit more about what, what I had experienced with living with endometriosis and doing IVF and all of those um, chronic pain and everything. That goes with that. And so um, that's how Megan and I met on Instagram, actually, and uh, <laughs> met up a couple of years ago. And from there, uh, we've really just been doing our thing and working with ladies.
0: Awesome. All right, Megan?
2: Yeah, so I am Megan Blacksmith. I am the redheaded ginger one, if you have to <laughs> see the picture of uh, Alex and I. And I like to say I got pulled into this field when I fell off the hormonal cliff after having my first child. So same thing, healthy kid, everything was going along just swimmingly and I had a child and then I learned for the first time what it was like to have uh, extreme anxiety and panic attacks and depression and ups and downs. And just literally the thought of getting up in the morning to go to work, I remember I highly considered, like, what can I do? Can I like break an arm? Like, what can I do that's not that painful so I don't have to go to work? <laughs> I just want a leave of absence for a little while. Uh, it's about how bad it got. <laughs> and at that point, found the world of holistic nutrition, all the things Alex mentioned, alternative practices. I found functional lab work and testing things like hormones and cortisol and things that we do now testing my gut, and the world opened up to me to all these imbalances that had been kind of slowly, um, you know, slowly leading up that I just, the tipping point was, for me, was having a child, and I run a marathon right before, my first marathon right before um, getting pregnant, so it was kind of like, um, I was pretty depleted, got pregnant, and then had that whole situation, so the The most fun part for me is that I've been able to compare that first experience. That my oldest daughter is seven. To now, I have a second child who's two. And going into the uh, pregnancy with a two-year-old, I had been in you know in this field and working on balancing my own hormones for a few years. And just the it was night and day difference uh, postpartum experience having having a second child. So I think the comparison is awesome to just see, and I at that point was really following up with the data and looking at the test, you know, the, my hormone levels and all that. So um, it was great to see how quickly they could come back, and that it wasn't normal to be that knocked out, <laughs> which I thought was just I'm a new mom and this is normal. So that has led us, you know, to sh- want to share this experience. With um, ladies out there struggling with the same thing, ideally, if we could get our hands on people before they even get pregnant, so they don't have to have that first situation I went through, and um, we're pretty passionate about functional lab work just because we were that um, we were those healthy healthy people doing healthy things. So until we kind of saw these underlying imbalances on paper, is when it we could pull it together. Yeah,
0: I I love that. So. <clears throat> Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, both of you kind of came again from sort of being healthy people who everything was fine and then you just kind of like hit this point where you had that that breaking point. And I think so many people reach that, but you don't really realize it at the time, you know, like while while you're in it and while it's happening. So I just think that the work that you two do together is so powerful. And I had found Megan actually years ago. Uh, back, I can't, I think maybe in like 2015 when you were working with Haley from P- Primal Palette um, and she yes. had posted about your adrenal cocktail. Your adrenal
2: cocktail that yes. blew up, yes. That blew <laughs> up, not even, yeah. <laughs> not even my original recipe at all. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah so that was actually, ready? yeah, that was how I first found you and I remember thinking it was so cool that you used the functional lab work and everything and I was like, man, that's what I want to do. And uh, yeah, and then now I'm the, for those of you who have followed me and follow, you know, everything that I talk about, that's the course that I'm studying for the FDN course. She's already an FDN practitioner. So um, yeah, it was kind of like seeing how you used that in your practice. And then when you teamed up with Alex and she brought this whole other element of having you know the medical side there as well i just uh i love the work that you ladies do i just want to put that out there and uh, i think it's so valuable to have you know like individuals like you out there who are using real tangible numbers and evidence you know what i mean to to kind of heal people naturally so Alright, sorry. Okay, Just absolutely. had to had to go on a little tangent there. But um <laughs> all right, so I'm super curious, and I know when we chatted a little bit beforehand, um, yeah, we, we kind of talked a little bit about this, but have either of you struggled with acne and specifically, you know, like a hormonally driven acne within your course of all of these ups and downs that you went through?
1: Well, I I don't think either of us dealt with it personally in a really severe way. Now I have certainly had bouts of hormonal acne that have gotten worse at other times, but I wouldn't say, you know, out of my list of things that I've struggled with, it's not like top three, but Mm -hmm. for sure we see women all the time in our programs. And so we've probably seen hundreds at this point of of women who um, deal with hormonal acne and how much it can, so I feel like we see very intimately how it's connected with you know, how people feel about themselves and all of that stuff that goes into acne.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I know you work a lot with, you know, women with hormonal imbalances and, you know, kind of cyclical dysfunctions. So I'm sure, do you, do you end up seeing a lot of women with hypothalamic amenorrhea?
1: yeah we we've seen all kinds, and that's kind of the the beauty of following a women's health in the setting of the cycle is that you can see um that all of these diagnoses that we get that we think as separate organ systems are really just one gigantic cascade that interfaces so beautifully and so you know, and in such a complex way within the body. And so a lot of times what we see when we step back is that, you know, hypothalamic amenorrhea and things like that are all within that entire cascade of when someone comes with low estrogen progesterone in their luteal phase, you're really looking at just different manifestations within one large system. And so because of that, we see everybody with every kind of diagnosis that you can really come up with. But at the same time, they're very, very similar in how we approach it and how we think about it from a theoretical medical concept sense.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I love that because it's I think so often, especially, you know, for our listeners here, we have a lot of women with hormonal imbalances and acne. And um, I think oftentimes, like, we get so fixated on the symptoms that we're seeing instead of, yeah, just like you said, like, looking at the body as a whole and kind of, you know, seeing where that dysfunction is happening within the body to make said symptom come about.
1: Right. And that is, I think... All of these symptoms that we end up talking about as um, from a hormonal sense and as women really ends up having to do with some issues of self-worth and um, how we feel about ourselves. And so you know, for me, while it hasn't been acne, I feel like with pelvic pain, you know it impacts, what I can do in life or how I experience the world. And that for me brings up, you know, a lot of insecurities and, and then infertility. I feel like a lot of women can relate with this, um, who have struggled with infertility is you're kind of like, that's kind of my womanly thing and Mm -hmm. I can't do it, you know? And so a lot of these things, the symptoms are important. And when we take, You know, when we work with our ladies, we have them fill out like a comically long questionnaire. Everyone's always (laughs) like this. But the symptoms do matter and it gives us an idea of kind of what they're experiencing and what they're dealing with. And that can change what you do. So it's like everyone's just a little bit different. And while yes, it's it's just good to have an idea of the balance. So we're not saying that oh, don't worry about your symptoms, it's all just one big system, it's both. And, you know, it, it's complicated that way, but that's just how it is.
0: Yes, yeah, I love that. <laughs> so, and just, I'm just kind of curious, Alex, so how do you, at this point in your life, like how do you manage the pain, this chronic pain that you've had?
1: Yeah, The that's been, whew, that's been like my life.
0: Yeah,
1: mental struggle. Like you know, if I was writing a book, which <sighs> you know, well at some point, but um, the the pain has really shifted. It's such a deep subject for me that it's even hard for me to summarize. Mm-hmm. Um, but my experience with pain is kind of like a part of a part of that that defines me but uh, also a part of me that defines me that I'm trying to change right Mm. so that's kind of kind of an interesting I'm, I'm in an interesting place about it because I used to always say like oh yeah I'm a chronic pain person I know this this and this and I'm trying to be a little bit better about being like pain doesn't have to be my permanent reality I'm not like a chronic pain person yeah. I am a person who happens to have chronic pain for a period of time so yes. the, if I'm hesitating it's because I've Recently, been doing a lot of work on that, and I want to accurately represent that, even though it makes all the wording kind of goofy sounding. But in my primary thing, um I spent the longest time not getting any answers at all, um, for the most part, and um, was just kind of dismissed, which is what drove me to want to be a doctor myself. So that was actually a good thing, even though at the time I spent at least five of you know, the first years of having pain, just being completely alone with it. Um, And then slowly then, as I, especially when I moved to Chicago, um, I started seeing, uh, I discovered the world of like pelvic floor physical therapy, which was huge. Um, I discovered acupuncture. I discovered, um, you know, teas, and herbs, which I'm a little obsessed with if anyone follows us, um, the, yeah, and all of those together actually made a huge difference. I would say, you know, if hundred percent is all consuming chronic pain that just day in and day out, your whole entire body hurts, including your, you know, but worse at one area, um at that point, I had gotten it down probably about 50%. Like there was a good, Mm -hmm. I I had a lot of return to function, I could do a lot more things. I wasn't spending 100% of my day just worrying about like, hey, how was I sitting? How was I like, letting, like, if I wore um, pants that were too tight, or, you know, um, drawstrings or something like I just, I could go from being that to just being like, Hey, I put on clothes and that's a win for today and I'm going to go do something else. So that was huge. And then I started seeing a reproductive endocrinologist who did hormone testing and was like, Whoa, I don't have any idea what's going on here. Like you're way off. Um, so I started doing things for that. And then, um, so that was actual like progesterone and estrogen supplementation. And she mapped out an entire cycle with blood work and ultrasound. And we did, um, She gave me actually, interestingly enough, this was at Rush in Chicago. um, She gave me like a list of herbal supplements that were supposed to help with um, ovarian function and all of this stuff. And so that helped a lot. And then Megan and I met up and we've done, you know, testing and all of our work. And obviously, over the years, we've learned so much from each other. It's like really fun being business partners. Um, And that all got me gosh I'd probably say 75 80 percent way. and then once I started being in the anesthesia world and actually living around pain docs um I was able I actually added I did things in a completely opposite way I started crunchy and I added on conventional at the end and that really like to me that kind of finished it off with um I you know I'm on several medications I get monthly infusions and um really I'm back to, I would say living. I'm like, you know, I have like 7% there. And, mm-hmm. and a lot of that is mental things and not physical things. Cause physically I know I'm like, Whoa, I'm so much better. Like this is, um, there's only a little bit left, but, um, you know, I feel like that last piece for me is actually how I have been thinking about this the whole time and in that internal experience. So that was kind of a long winded answer, but no, that's,
0: that's nice. great. <laughs> yeah thank you so much for sharing that. um I think it's I think it's you know so great also though, that from having a bad experience that motivated you to kind of like fill the gap that you saw there, and I think it's just so powerful when we see people you know kind of rise up from the challenges that they've experienced. So I just think that's yeah, that's really great information. Oh, thank you so, okay. Uh, I I tend to see a lot of women who are dealing with, and I d- personally did deal with this as well, and that's like uh, hormonal breakouts from birth control. So um, how do you feel that birth control plays into things like PCOS, endometriosis, you know, hypothalamic amenorrhea, and just hormonal balances in general? Because my OB... When I got off the pill and I went and saw her, because I had been spotting for a year and a half straight and my acne was terrible, um, you know, she very vehemently denied that the pill had anything to do with it because it had been eight months. It was out of my system. Um, so I, I would be very curious to know, either of you, how you feel that birth control, whether it be a pill or, you know, an IUD, um, how that kind of affects our long-term hormonal health
1: yeah absolutely um and and we ended up having we have a little course that's like a four-part video series where we we just talk about safely getting off birth control
2: which mm-hmm. is what the
1: program is called <laughs> but, um, <laughs> in a nutshell, the um the idea is that I, and i've been i can I've been on birth control. I had the same thing where someone was like, "Oh, you're having problems with your period. Here's birth control. I'll fix everything right? and then I did that for two years, and um, things did not go well at all. <sighs> um, and neither did getting off actually yeah, but the um the whole idea is that um you're just supplementing in a very rigid sort of manner. Um, and I like to think of birth control as a bracket that gets put on your endocrine system. And so Mm -hmm. your endocrine system is incredibly fluid changes, you know, it can change states and signals in your body, like second by second, depending on like, are you sitting in traffic stressing out or are you meditating, you know? And so then hour by hour, you know, a day by day, week by week, one, five, month. And um, all of that is very, very fluid. And um, sometimes when things are so bad that your symptoms are just in t- you know getting to the point where they really bother them and I've had the whole spotting for a year and a half and it sucks and so at that point I was like yes please I need progesterone estrogen supplementation they're so low I like I'm so depleted I also had run a marathon like that two years before that And just would come home and eat, like, a pint of Ben and Jerry's. And um, so I had depleted absolutely all my stories, you know. And so I was bad. Mm -hmm. And I I just – there was nothing wrong with supplementing. And um, there have been times where I've been on and off birth control for, you know, IVF cycles and stuff. And when you need it, that is fine. Um, But then coming off of it, you're really just – you've been artificially placing a bracket and having your body do something, but it's not that it stops doing things in the background. It's just that it tries to go with the flow of what's happening. When you take that bracket off, you really, basically you're unveiling all the stuff that has been accruing under the surface and most of the time people find that they're worse because the birth control wasn't fixing anything the birth control was just covering up symptoms when you take those symptoms off after you know a year and a half or 10 of being on the birth control you're looking at a picture that is not pretty at all it's like finally taking the nail polish off your fingers and being like whoa my nails underneath not good like no one's surprised at that and I feel like birth control obviously that's trivializing it but that's you know kind of the same idea
0: I love that analogy the nail polish Ooh, all right so and again uh for either of you what would you say is the biggest dietary contributor to cyclical dysfunctions
2: Um, i can jump in here Uh, i I feel like what we see is maybe not necessarily just one specific thing or one specific food but anything that someone has developed a food sensitivity to so they're eating something every day and it could be a super healthy you know i'm i'm doing air quotes y'all can't see me (laughs) It could be super healthy, it could be a great food, but if you personally, if your body sees, your immune system sees that as an invader, an attacker, it has tagged it, and a little teeny tiny particle of that corn or gluten or dairy has gotten into the bloodstream where it's not supposed to be, every time you're eating that food, your whole, your immune system is going on overdrive, attacking that particle, that protein, and then there's some collateral damage going on onto the gut. Right. And then you kind of get this snowball effect of what's going on. So this is why literally one of the very first things we do is have women do an elimination diet in the context of their cycle. There's a, there's a good time to start during your female cycle. And then there's a not so great time to start and pulling this, you know, starting with the top, the top, top known triggers. So gluten dairy would be top, top of the list for a lot of people. Um, corn, eggs, nuts even right that might you know nuts and eggs are what i would a lot of people consider to be super healthy and i you know i enjoy them and they work well for me but when they're that food that is not working well for you i have a um you know a client i worked with for a long time that really really was fighting the egg thing (laughs) she was convinced it wasn't a problem (laughs) and once we finally got her to pull it well um, in her case we we had to do some more detailed testing to convince her but once she finally pulled it out for her eggs was triggering cystic acne in a huge Mm. way
0: um
2: so it's not always just one food it's not always just as simple as that one thing you know we do try to steer people away from looking for that one thing you know that one thing will fix everything but in some cases there is kind of one food that's pretty detrimental um for you at that time ideally we want Everyone to be able to eat as many foods as possible. So, the goal is not to find, oh, I'm reacting to this, let's pull it out forever. Because that can happen too with like um, fermented foods or high fiber foods or FODMAPs. You know, people will discover they can't handle them at the moment, they'll pull them out and they'll feel better. But that's not the long term fix. We want to get your hormones, your gut, your detoxification, everything healthy enough that, that you can eat most foods, all foods, with the exception of, you know, there are certain foods. gluten that maybe, um, are a trigger for autoimmunity and just aren't, you know, not something to mess with for a lot of people, but that's kind of the biggest thing. And then, you know, more obvious are going to be like sugar and processed foods and that kind of thing. But a lot of people that we're working with have got that part. They're understanding that they just now need to customize it for them because they've been given, you know, one set diet or go follow this, go do this. And then that, that can be confusing because there's foods in there that are really, um, detrimental to to hormone to their hormone levels
0: yeah and I love that because it's it's so important that I think this is a thing that a lot of people end up struggling with you know in trying to heal themselves is they're looking at you know blanket advice that's given and not that there's anything wrong with that it's you know it's great for that information to be put out there and shared but you know, people will say, oh, this worked for this person. Let me apply that to myself. And then it doesn't work for them. And then they get discouraged. So I, I love that. You know, you talked a lot about customizing it and the fact that even, you know, if something isn't working for you right now, maybe right now this is a really big trigger But, you know, down the line, that might not necessarily be the case once some healing is done that, you know, we can reintroduce certain foods and your body might react totally differently. So I just love that you mentioned those things. And that's that's absolutely like my philosophy as well, because just exactly what works for me isn't necessarily going to be the same thing that works for someone else, which is why I think it's so important for people to seek out that help and, you know, to come up with customized plans with a practitioner uh, and it just can be such a big game changer so yeah uh, on that note I kind of want to shift gears ever so slightly and I'm just curious in the work that you know you two do with the woman that you see how often does the emotional aspect of hormonal imbalances come into play and how does that really take effect in the healing journey
2: all the time <laughs> every single person <laughs> yeah um whether they like to admit it or not there is yes. usually an emotional <laughs> aspect and I think you know Alex and I shared where everybody kind of comes at this like if they're in a whole less holistic path or even on their health journey path like at a different way like some people I posted once kind of like my path of how, where I started, you know, with just foods and then maybe elixirs, and then, then later got to more mental, emotional work. And some people come in strong on like working on mental, emotional, or some people start conventional, you know, so you can kind of, it can kind of go, um, all different ways. But one thing we've seen over and over and over again, and I'm going to give the example of like a gut infection, just because that's kind of a very obvious, like you have it or you don't, and we'll see someone with some kind of, bacterial overgrowth or, um, parasite or fungus or small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. And we will do our normal, like, Hey, this is what we knew, usually do in this case. This is kind of an herbal protocol and it just will not go away for them mm. and it will not go away for them. And then the more I talk to them, the more I'm just picking up on this, like, there's just this underlying thing here. There's some real emotional, um, there's some real trauma, there's some real um, inability to forgive, there's something going on they're holding on to, or maybe don't even believe they deserve to be healthy, or are scared of what that means if they don't have this situation anymore. And it's almost always the sub, a subconscious thing. They're not they're not going home saying, I don't really want to heal. Um, right, it's right. <laughs> you know, it's happening at this subconscious level and once we get them to dig in a little bit more into um, the mental emotional aspect of what's going on or maybe any um, events that have happened or starting working through things that tr- trigger them on a daily basis and figuring out why we will then see a shift and can finally get rid of that bacteria and it seems so unrelated to some people right like really I started yeah. talking about my emotions and now I can <laughs> kill a bacteria with <laughs> herbs and- doesn't totally seem related, but um, I recently learned, I went to a neurofeedback training called Mm. 40 Years of Zen, which was a phenomenal week of my life, but I really learned just more in depth about how our bodies, you know, I always thought of, you know, the brain rules everything, the brain, how you think things, you have your emotions, and you tell the body what's going on. And really, what's happening is that ninety percent of the time, our brain is reading input from the body. So our brain is is reading like the your blood pressure, your, the pH of the blood, um, how you know your breath rate, all these different things in the body to try to decide are you safe or not. So you may encounter a situation. Your um, prefrontal cortex, your thinking part of the brain, is saying. I'm safe. I can handle this. But your reptilian brain, you know, the older part of the brain, which processes things more quickly, it gets there first. (laughs) And before you even know it, um, you know, your heart rate has gone up, your breathing has changed, and your body does not believe you're safe. Right. So your brain might be saying, it's okay. It's okay. It's just a movie. No, I'm not actually (laughs) being shot at. It's just a But your reptilian brain is like, alert, alert, like, please enter fight and flight, please send cortisol, please send adrenaline, please send blood to the, you know, arms and legs so we can run away or fight. Um, And when that happens, when we're in that chronic state, we are not, you know, making our reproductive (laughs) hormones. there there was no need to make reproductive hormones if you were being chased by the bear. Mm -hmm. And no one was being chased by the bear that constant as we are now with our continuous, you know, things of our phones, stressors, you know, TV, social media, etc. So it's triggering us over and over and over again. And I think that um, without kind of working into, like figuring out what is triggering you, what is sending you, into fight or flight or, or what are your underlying beliefs we can't calm the, the body you know and, and you, you're talking a lot about like Pcos and you know a lot of times there is adrenal dysfunction there not you know not necessarily adrenal but the brain communicating with the body that it's in constant stress mode and mm-hmm. depleting and your hormones are ending up depleted so if you can't kind of get to that root of what's going on, um emotionally then it will be very hard to physically restore a balance
0: yes yeah and I think that's just such a, an important aspect to this healing journey uh that I, I I feel like I tend to see a lot of resistance from in a lot of my clients you know they just want a diet or they want you know supplement list but I often get resistance in this like emotional healing Side to things um but I yes. yeah but it's yes. it's such an important piece to like bringing everything full circle and seeing that balance within our bodies because I mean really if your emotional state is constantly stressed how can the rest of your body ever really like calm the fuck down I mean you know <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, this is um, a topic that I think about so much because I used to be, after getting like dismissed by doctors, I was so hurt by the fact that someone would say to me, like, it's all in your head, mm-hmm. like, just don't think about it, you know? Yeah. And um I would be so like oh my gosh I'm like physically suffering like can you help me or (laughs) and then you know it was just like and so I think we become jaded because we're like I don't even want to think about that because I don't want to entertain the idea like I know it's real and so the whole time you're just in your head being like I'm proving to myself it's real I'm proving to myself it's real but like guess what your subconscious is like yeah it's real you know (laughs) and then right That, and for me, it's been such a, like, it's been so interesting to have this journey of, like, I believe internally that I am a sick person, Mm. but, like, how can I, like, positively impact my life and make good choices if at the underlying root of everything I'm kind of, like, yeah.
2: But I'm I'm sick. sick
1: Because I'm sick. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like I'm constantly going to be sabotaging myself and just like shooting myself in the foot before I even get started. And, and, um, that there is a very complicated issue to just sit with. Cause you're like, Hmm, well, <laughs> I mean, the only person I'm going to hurt doing this is me, but on the other hand, it's really painful to let go of the idea of like, have I been influencing this like have I been do I have to now take responsibility for that and that's a bitter pill to swallow you know until you're really ready to do it and say like I am actually done with this I'm done with playing this role and when I'm done playing this role I have to let it go so that I can pick up my new one but like I can't have both you can't have like one in one hand and and be like oh, but I want to let you go, but you're like clenching it, you know? And so that's hard. I mean, that's by far the hardest work to do because it's easy to get a supplement list, get your ass over to vitamin shop and right. start taking in the morning. Like that is easy. You know what I mean? And, like <laughs> Megan and I can make you, we can make anyone a protocol. Mm-hmm. Like we can give you a list. We can look at your hormones and it'll all be correct. Right. So it's like, We're giving you correct data or as accurate as science will allow for now. But that's not going to fix you when it comes down to it in your head. (laughs) Mm, And that is some hard work to do.
0: Yeah. No, I literally, like, I got chills while you're talking about that because, granted, in the context, like, it's in a different context. It's not in regards to pain, but, like... With acne and, you know, so all of the women I work with with acne, you know, they've gone to dermatologists and, you know, sometimes dermatologists either say like, oh, you know, you're just going to have acne forever. Like this isn't something that can be healed or, you know, they just try to give them all these topicals and it just doesn't work and doesn't work and doesn't work. And then it's like it just takes over your identity. Um, And I, I talk about that with myself a lot because definitely like having acne and then you know, then having like the PCOS and uh, dealing with the infertility stuff. I was like, that was like my shtick. You know, it's like, oh, well, like this is this is me. This is what I deal with. This is my thing. But yeah, you're so right. Like making the choice to let go of that and to move forward kind of as a whole person without that being you it's yeah, that's super tough because you kind of hold on to it, right? Like it's it's like your armor almost. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. That's, it's yeah, that's some some big work to do. So on that note, like for for both of you, like how and this is a big, this is a big question, but how how do you? go about like releasing some of this trauma whether that be you know trauma from pain or acne or even you know like a childhood trauma that might be that you might be holding on to that might be affecting your health how do you go about even just like the starting processes how would one start to release trauma like that
2: sure I'll jump in this is Megan so Harmony, I just want to share something that happened to me or, or kind of an analogy from 40 Years of Zen that I think helps a little bit because sometimes you're we like, oh, I don't really want to deal with all this stuff. It's just old stuff. Like, why should I, especially if somebody did something to you, you know, or, or you were violated or something bad happened that is a child, you know, have you have no part of, right? And you're kind of like, why do I have to go back and deal with this this is something they did and you know i don't want to forgive them that kind of thing and we just want to make the note that this is all for you this is not about you know condoning any activity that happened it's more about you and your peace because so if you think of our um if we think of having an iphone you get a new iphone you start downloading all sorts of apps right all the newest greatest stuff And then after a year, you look and you're realizing, you know, I'm only using about 20% of these things that I downloaded. And the rest of the stuff is just running in the background, using up space, using up the space on your phone. And that's basically what's happening in our brains. So we have all these experiences that happen to us um, that could, you know, including traumas and just even small things. When we say trauma, I'll have women be like, I don't have any trauma, nothing that horrible happened to me. And I just want you to realize that trauma to you could be that you know you didn't get the ice cream that your sister got, and then you forever felt like she was loved more than you. I mean, I know it sounds you know <laughs> it sounds like crazy, but really you just have to think about how you were as that kid, or what age you're at, and then what you kind of connected that to forever. And then of course, there's plenty of people who have um, you know more extreme forms of trauma.
0: Yeah, I. I- that honestly like sitting here when you first started talking about um you know all of that I started getting chills again you guys are giving me all the feels today (laughs) (laughs) but I just it's it's just such a powerful important piece you know just going back into even yeah childhood experiences like you said with the ice cream cone like that but what, what matters is how you experienced it, right? Like it's not really in the context of, oh, you know, oh, other people have it worse than me. So I guess my stuff isn't bad. And it's like it doesn't really matter. Yeah, sure. In a way, maybe other people do have it worse than you. But that doesn't dampen your experience with not getting that ice cream cone when you were five.
2: Right, I think that's actually a really dangerous thought process to do the whole comparison thing because there's yeah. always going to be p- people way worse off in the world than they you, and then you just start to doubt that you have, you know, that you're realistic and that your, you know, head is on straight. So yes. it's important not to compare. So with that whole trauma thing, so like as you start to clear out these old um, memories and um, traumas and incidents, and just look at things that trigger you on a daily, on a daily. Um, every day of your life then you can kind of start to free up more space so what happens is then your um, brain literally your mitochondria and your cells are just working more accurately so I went after a week long of neurofeedback which would be you know you ask kind of how do you heal from such a trauma so that's one really extreme way to do it you don't you don't have to go to that extreme but um, if anybody has the means to do that I highly recommend it but so after a week We've literally cleared out, you know, you're, you're digging into the emotion of it. Because um, it's one thing to say, like, I forgive somebody, but it's another to actually feel that mm. um, you're going, you're digging into the emotion of it. Because we even used at the end of the program, we used um, heart rate monitor. So I know heart math is one example of a tool people can use to kind of get through, um, you know, old uh, traumas or different experiences. And we used that to um, test how well we had done. So if you were something I was working on all week on forgiving, and they hooked me up to the heart rate monitor, I'm supposed to be doing a breathing exercise. You kind of keeping with the flow of the breathing and you're watching on the monitor. they I said, okay, do you want us to test you? I said, yes, I do. So they talked me through worst case, a horrible situation that was a really bad trigger for me. They talked me through it and I was able to keep my heart rate stay- steady through this whole exercise. Like this was miraculous to me. So I was able to keep my body calm while hearing this thing that a week before would have like sent me, you know, trigger it through the roof. So, wow. you know, that's a really extreme way to do it. But I think that brings up a lot of good tools that you can literally do free at home is um, breath work. So that was the biggest takeaway for me. So if you're in that state of fight or flight, you know, we kind of talked about how, like, the instead of the brain telling you everything, you're, you're reading your body. You're reading your body for what's going on. So you can almost, not trick isn't the right word, but let's say you are in a stressful situation, if you can stop and take the time. So there's a bunch of different methods, but when you're, um, when you're trying to calm the nervous system, you want to have, um, a longer out breath than an in breath. So for me, I count in, I, um, breathe in for five and then, um, out for seven, for example. I mean, everybody has a kind of a different rate that's good for them, but that, that extra out breath is what tells your triggers the parasympathetic and it's going to calm you down and then then it's telling you your body's signs are saying hey we're okay and so then the brain's going huh like this situation actually seems stressful but my body's telling me i'm okay and you can start to override really stressful um situations or just everyday triggers so you can kind of go top down brained out of the body or body up you know there's, there's a couple different ways of doing it when you're going Um, body up then that's like breath work or um, I use tapping Mm -hmm. Um, that's another great tool to kind of tap into because they are using for um, for the VA for PTSD people that come into the VA uh, war veterans they're using two 20-minute sessions of breath work and that's it they've literally found that talk therapy is stirring these things up more than tapping into the body function first and I thought that was an extremely powerful um, thing to hear about. and just as a resource if people are interested in the, there's a book called The Body Keeps the Score that really talks about you know how this works in the body and it's fascinating but it's cool you know like you can do for free you can do breath work you can go on um, YouTube and, <laughs> and look at tapping super mm-hmm. simple literally tapping on different points of your body um, or some kind of some kind of modality where you're tapping into the physical body that's all that's kind of like my takeaway something or you know energy work where you're tapping into the body you definitely want to do the cognitive work you want to work through what happened maybe journaling meditating but you also want to be tapping into the body because otherwise that's why I went to um, the neurofeedback is because I had analytically in my head worked through forgiving a certain situation I understood it I, I could forgive, I could walk in that person's shoes, but I couldn't feel it. Mm. I couldn't I hadn't actually forgiven like in my physical body, in my heart. It was um, in my head and that wasn't yeah. enough. I was still holding on and it was still messing up my hormones. It was still keeping me in fight or flight.
0: Yep.
2: There you go. That's my long long yeah.
0: <laughs> No, that's that's so awesome. And it's really interesting because it actually makes me think so much of hypnobirthing. Because I took all these hypnobirthing courses before giving birth and uh, it's literally all about that. It's like, hey, you know, fear is something that and like the pain that we experience during labor per se is all from fear. So like you learn all of this breath work to do Mm -hmm. during contractions. And yeah, like granted, I mean, towards the end uh, Of my of my birth, like I lost my shit and was not (laughs) keeping it together. But like there were hours and hours like I got myself to being, you know, fully dilated and effaced without my midwives there yet. And I was totally calm. And that was all from breath work. And yeah, doing a shorter inhale. I do like a four count inhale, eight count exhale. But it's just like crazy how powerful our minds are. It blows my mind.
2: Okay.
1: We also do a lot of stuff about, um, you know, within the cycle because so the body is also, in addition to reading the world, like it's got set things to do,
2: right? Mm, yes. So it's
1: going to try to do those things. Regardless of what is going on, but then it's also pretty realistic, Like, hey, now is not the time for baby, so right. you know, eat me on the baby. Um, and so, because of that, we we've the the way that the body is trying to run its cycles. Um, there are predictable patterns, even though individual women deviate from that flow. There's still, when you look like at all the women in the world, it all still follows the same pattern. And so for that reason, when we looked at the actual like flow of hormones and what's happening in the body, we ended up breaking up the cycle, you know, average 28, but whatever it is for you into four phases. And then for each of the four phases, there's a different approach to some of that mental work because really the the body is doing different things already in different phases for example that week that you're menstruating there's a lot of um in women left to right brain like um the two halves of the brain work together and um better during that phase and there's certain things that you can do in your life like the ability to um plan and have insight onto like what are my goals what do you what do i think i can accomplish what's going on internally like what am i feeling that i now need to address and so um we're really really good at doing that work at that time and so it's really great to take advantage of doing it then and then with that planning when you get to especially the second phase which is the rise phase which is you know ends when you ovulate um you there's certainly other things and you have that's like our powerful phase and we're able to take all of that planning and everything that we um internally brought up to the surface and made conscientious decisions about like okay i'm gonna do this elimination die even though i've been scared to do one or okay i'm going to like do my death test um you know panel the, this month Then, during that week, when your hormones are rising, you have all this energy to actually carry it out. And then, you know, towards the end of the cycle, you come back around to doing some more retrospective work and synthesizing things together. So, new changes that you made have the opportunity to actually stick. So you take time to integrate it into your life. So instead of being like, I'm going to go ham on a whole 30. And then when you're done, you like go on a donut binge and then never like, just keep eating donuts, you know, like that is not sustainable. But when you go back to integrate your life, like, Hey, you know, once a month, my husband and I are going to go walk and get donuts and coffee. Like here we have Stand donuts and la colombe coffee um, a couple blocks away from my house. And my husband and I do that. I'm celiac, so I have the gluten free donut. I don't stress mm-hmm. out about that. That is not, like, a huge, oh, man, I broke my diet. That's, like, a built-in thing that makes We Walk Whiskey the Bulldog our own dog to, down to there. Like, it's a great thing that we do, and I love it, and I'm not going to stop doing it. Like, the whole reason I want to be healthy is so that I can live my life. So mm-hmm. then I just do those things, and I'm not, like, living in fear that, like, oh, did that donut, like – Is my SIBO gonna come back? You know, I've been treated for SIBO. Like, is that gonna set it off? Oh my gosh! And you're just waiting for that other shoe to drop. It's a completely different experience when you actually like go with what's already happening.
0: Yeah, and I mean, honestly, like that's part of what I find. I love this this program that you guys are doing because, like, I I just find it to be really genius. You know, like we obviously our bodies are going through a cycle, but no one really thinks about it because it, your, your body just does it, right? Like it's it's not yeah. something that you're well, consciously have you, doing. Have you
1: seen like if you next time you see like a tampon commercial, pay attention because the message, it's always like some chick in like a power suit, like doing a presentation yeah. and then like some other chick playing tennis. Yep. And then they're, like, and the whole message is don't let your period stop you. You yeah. should just keep going. Like nothing is ever happening. And yeah. by doing that, we like lose the superpowers that we have as women mm. that like men don't have. Like that's what we bring to the table. Yeah. Right. But like society, unfortunately, has really squashed that and kind of like, oh, just be more like men. It's it's fine. You know, just keep going. Um, so it's, the you know, I think that, we're headed back in that direction I think we kind of went that way and women are realizing like there's more companies now for like natural tam tampons yeah. condoms you know reusable menstrual pads than there ever happened so I think that we're we're the pendulum swinging the other way but it's just something to start bringing up in people's <laughs> consciousness to yes. say like hey it doesn't have to be like that we don't have to pretend like it's not happening <laughs> and you know what the dark sub sub phase does the first three days of the cycle that's like it's like you're getting into pjs and watching netflix dream realized like that's what your body wants like there's a reason that we want that and like you know hey throw in some journaling throw in some listening to motivational podcasts that get you excited about life and like what you're doing and like you can have three days where you're like I'm not going to feel guilty about this. I'm going to recharge myself so that when I get back out there, I'm, like, killing it at life, you know? Like, I rebooted a little bit. I gave myself that time, and it's great. So, like, embrace the things that you're feeling because it's probably your body being, like, yo, girl, (laughs) time to sit down. (laughs) You've been running around a lot.
0: Right? You need this. Just yeah. sit. <laughs> so I'm curious, how does this come into play, for instance, with either someone with like, you know, constant spotting or just kind of someone that doesn't necessarily have a cycle? Like for me right now, I'm I'm still nursing my son, so I don't really have a cycle, you know, and I I just am curious how, you know, these there's like eh. How, how does it come into play when you don't have, like, a menstrual cycle going on, I guess, is the question.
2: I can jump in. Um, so <laughs> when uh, we work with ladies who don't have a cycle, such as yourself with a breastfeeding, what we have them do instead is follow the cycle of the moon. Mm. So you're going to go um, with the full, you know, you're going to start the program on a uh, new moon, and then um, follow through as if that is, because it's very close to the female cycle. I think, you know, average female cycle, 28 days. What is it? 29 and a half for the moon, Alex? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So um, it's a way, the thing that's most powerful to me about going with the cycle is it's a way of kind of having a start and a stop for things that are overwhelming or things that in mm. a reminder so we we like to use apps you know to to track our cycle so I have it come up on my phone it's like oh look I'm in the ovulation phase and, or oh look you know so um usually you know when your period's starting but <laughs> um you know that kind of thing and or if you don't have a cycle like oh look you can actually pay attention and look outside at the moon or there's apps for that too you know
1: <laughs> but yeah.
2: tracking it. So then you say like um well you know we have women focus first half of the month on inflammation minimizing inflammation and second half of the month focusing on detoxing and, and optimizing their natural detox pathways so i'm like oh i'm ovulating it's time to really move into detoxification and Oh yeah, I've kind of fallen off on my daily morning elixir. I've kind of fallen off on my dry skin brushing. I'm going to add those two new things in this week. Or for women who were suggesting, you know, overhauling their whole all of their all of their products, mm-hmm. you know, their their makeup, their face products, even, you know, their stuff they're using on their dishes, all that. That's overwhelming. Yeah. That's a lot of stuff. But if every cycle, you're like, oh, look, I'm in that second phase. You know, I'm in that second half of my cycle. I am now going to upgrade one, pro- one product. And you do it every single month. You know, eventually you got them all down. And yeah. it just becomes a so much less overwhelming way of operating. And it helps for me to really say, oh, okay, I seem to always have problems around this time. Like I seem to be irritated. And once you start to track it, it's like, oh it. same <laughs> days every month. And people are all different. You know, we just had someone write to us recently saying that they get have their super irritable phase a couple days before ovulation. And so but once you see the pattern, you at least know yourself, you know what's coming, and we'll even have women they'll maybe get triggered, really triggered by things like social media right before mm. ovulation or right before their period starts and we'll say, you know what, just delete that app from your phone for those three days. Like yeah. give yourself, yeah. give yourself this space, take a break, have an auto, you know, an autoresponder on your text or your email. If you know, these things are going to trigger you more to extreme because maybe you have really um, high or you have, you know, excess estrogen at that point And you like, you're not, you're not in a good headspace. So knowing that you can, Cut out like a fight that maybe was going to take the next six months to right. you know, fix that relationship with your mother-in-law.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> maybe just not have it in the first place. Yeah,
0: that's that's and a pretty good solution. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just, I love that. That's so cool. Um, And I think, yeah, I mean, I've, I've already said this, but I just think that the work that you two are doing is so valuable. Okay, ladies. So that is all I have for you today. If you could just tell everyone, either one of you can just tell everyone where they can find you and how they can connect with you or work with you.
2: We are most active on Instagram. That's where we have our tribe and we love all the ladies that follow us on there. So we are zesty underscore ginger on Instagram. And then from there in our profile, you can find everything. But our website is zestyginger.com and that's where you can find the details to our uh, four-phase cycle detox and um, our healthy hormones group that will come up in September. So the four-phase cycle detox is something that you'll do um, at the start of your cycle. So that will be on your own time. You can join at any point and jump in, but you will at some point want to go from the very first day of your period through for a full 28 day or whatever length your cycle is. And then Healthy Hormones Group is a a program we do twice a year where we use functional lab work, um, the Dutch, the dried urine tests for comprehensive hormones and neurotransmitter testing um, as a group in a three-month program. So those are kind of our main programs that we offer. We have tons. Alex has written a ridiculous amount of blog posts. Relating everything to your cycle, you kind of have any questions of why why things are going on with your cycle or when, and, um, and tons of DIY things. So just go to zestyjunitor.com, and you can search the blog, or just um, join our newsletter, follow us on Instagram, and you'll be getting lots of updates.
0: Perfect. I get your guys' newsletters, and I love them. So <laughs>
2: <laughs> I want to oh, just...
1: Yeah. Do you want to also... We have a free yeah. guide. If you're like, oh, this cycle stuff sounds cool, but we're, like, not you haven't ever done it or heard about it. Um we have a free guide. It like goes through all four phases and it's just kind of like the beginning, like everything you need to know just to get started. And it's just a simple a simple guide. So once you get to the website, there's a link there, but that'll, you know, kind of kick you off.
0: Awesome. Well, ladies, I wanna thank you both again so so much for joining me here today. I can't tell you how appreciative I am that you came on here to share your knowledge with my listeners and hopefully all of you out there listening found this super helpful because I think this is just amazing stuff that was shared here today. So again, thank you both for hopping on and hopefully we'll have you back on again sometime.
1: We would love it. All thank yeah, right.
0: You're welcome. Thanks. Bye. Welcome back to 2021. Wasn't that episode so incredible? I know it was a long one and I've been doing shorter episodes ever since um, coming back to the podcast, but it definitely is worth it. So I really hope you enjoyed it. So many amazing nuggets in there and it's actually incredible for me listening back just to kind of see how far I've come as well in my own growth of things and where my head was back when I interviewed them versus where I am now and how much has changed and shifted and grown. And so um, it's really incredible to listen back to that. I really hope you loved it. And uh, definitely go give them a follow. They're incredible. They're still doing their thing over on Instagram and their community has grown. I think it's like doubled since we recorded that episode when we recorded actually more than doubled when we recorded that episode. um, I'm pretty sure they had like 25,000 followers and now they have over 50,000 followers, possibly even close to 60,000 followers. I haven't checked in a minute, but just continued uh, amazing content from them. Amazing work. So I'm so glad you were here to listen thank you so much for being here. I hope you know how much I love you all and how honored I am to be in a space to be leading you in this way. So thank you for showing up for you. Thank you for being here with me. If you haven't already, make sure that you hit the subscribe button for this podcast. If you leave a rating and review, I would super appreciate it. That is really how this podcast grows, how it gets visibility, and that's really how I'm able to continue doing this for all of you and continue showing up and really making all of this possible. Now, if you want to connect with me on any other platform, you can always find me at Ethereal Beings Wellness over on Instagram, on Facebook. On Facebook, you can also find my personal page, which is Harmony C. Patton, but really I'm mostly active on Instagram and I love Instagram stories. I'm obsessed. I'm on there pretty often. So I'd love to see you guys over there and make sure if you are listening to the podcast or doing anything that I've talked about on the podcast or even on Instagram, make sure you tag me because I love to share you guys. I love to repost you in my stories, sometimes even in my feed, depending on what it is. So tag me. Don't be shy. I love to interact with you and meet you and talk to you. I do this for you guys and for me. I love y'all so much. Have a great day. I'll see you in the next one.